happens when you put joy, superheroes, and a love of all things good and holy together? You get the Guardians of Virtue podcast, designed for saints who want to fight for the most precious of all gifts of our time, virtue. Join your host, Elisa Lindsay Johnson, that's me, as I discover everyday heroes who all have one thing in common, a desire to fight as Guardians of Virtue for God, freedom, and our families. Let's discover together what it really means to be a guardian of virtue. Today I'm talking to Amanda Davis. I think she is a guardian of discipleship. If you see what she talks about online. She talks a lot about what it means to be a disciple and that we need to choose that over being a being in the world. And so I'm so excited for you guys to get to know Amanda. Amanda grew up in a small farming community in Alberta, Canada. She graduated from Utah State University with a communications degree and a minor in sociology. She and her husband have three children. Her oldest is getting ready to serve a mission this summer. She loves all things that involve outdoors and adventure. One of her favorite things to do is travel with her family. Her family raises horses. She loves the youth and the gospel. Amanda has had the opportunity to attend meetings at the United Nations, both in the United States and abroad. Her experiences at the United Nations deepened her resolve to defend the family at a time when it was becoming unpopular to do so and strengthened her commitment to look at all cultural shifts and trends through the lens of the gospel. She started her Instagram account, Christian Over Culture, because she wanted to help be a voice of truth and encourage people to look at all things culture through a gospel lens. Alrighty, without further ado, let's talk to Amanda Davis. Well, thank you. So do you go by Amanda or Mandy? I know. I both. Okay. Um Amanda like Amanda for all my like official things, official things. Yes. And I yeah, but I know that like most people think it's it's Mandy on Instagram and I go by Mandy mostly, but I don't know. Now that I'm getting older, I'm like Mandy just I don't know. <laughs> be a little bit more age appropriate. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's fine. I uh I know a lot of Amanda's and I feel like they all have different different uh nicknames or different shortened versions of their name. Like one of my really good friends, she goes by Amy and her name is Amanda. Interesting. But I would never call her Amanda because that would just be weird. Like I'm used to the Amanda. So I mean the Amy. So anyway. Right? I know. <laughs> So, so I like you, Mandy. It's not, it's not so Mandy. Mandy. Yeah. Yep. Just own it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so is it okay if I call you Mandy then? Are we that close? Okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, this is not, now I'm going to act like this podcast is old. It's not, but um, this is not something we've really talked about yet on on the podcast we've talked about faith we've talked about family we've talked about different things like that but um I 
really think you're a guardian of discipleship. And um, so I'm really excited to dive into what that means and talk to you about it. Well, thank you. I, I'm glad that I get to do this part of it. Yeah. I love, I love discipleship. Yeah, me too. So, okay. What does it mean then to you to be a guardian of discipleship? So I feel being a guardian of discipleship is someone that confidently and unapologetically lives the gospel according to how our savior um, says to live it. And especially in times where the world is moving further and further away from Christ teachings being the norm or um, the, the popular thing to do. Right. So when we can push the ways of the world aside and still follow Christ, I would say that is being a guardian of discipleship as well as being confident enough to want to invite others to the road of discipleship. I love what you said when you said, push the ways of the world aside, because that's almost what we, not almost, that is what we have to do now. Like there's no way around. I mean, it's everywhere. So the only way we can get, get around it is by pushing it aside. I, I love that. Yeah. And I love that you said that we, it's courage to, to share the path of discipleship with other, with other people, which can right. be scary. For me, it's super easy online. That's the easy space. Uh, right? You know, sometimes with my neighbors, not so much. So that's definitely something I'm sure we can all work on a little bit. Right. Well, and we know how much joy following the Savior can bring us. Mm-hmm. So we want as many people to experience that joy. We know that He is the only way to experience true lasting happiness and joy. So it's getting to where, yeah, like I said, we unapologetically do it and just follow and invite. Yeah, I love it. So your Instagram account is called Christians Over Culture. So why is choosing what? Well, why? First of all, why did you choose that name? So um, it was so my account's not super old. Um, It's less than a year old, but for a long time, like for quite a few years, I would have conversations with close friends, sisters about how different our, you know, culture is becoming in terms of living the gospel. And there's a lot of people who were starting to integrate a lot of cultural things into mm-hmm. our beliefs. And I started seeing it pop up more on Instagram accounts where people would like talk about truths, but then also allow a lot of culture to come in. And I'm kind of like, I'm just over it. I'm just kind of over (laughs) this and having it kind of seep into maybe release society lessons or lessons that it's like, I know that I know what they're trying to say. And I get that part, but we can't, we can't bring in this cultural aspect because that's not the doctrine. That's not the teachings of the gospel. So it was it decided that it was time to hop online and create an account that can help people see that we need to choose Christianity mm-hmm. over culture. But then also it's you know kind of a play on words with I'm over it. Like I'm over this culture and I'm choosing Christ first. And that's how the account came about. I love that. I 
I would have never guessed that that was the I mean part of the reason why you use the word over because you're just done with it I'm like <laughs> me too <laughs> me too. yeah <laughs> why is choosing true discipleship over culture important well it's super important to me because I feel like that is what's going to keep us on the path of discipleship we know that that path of discipleship is not a big broad path right it's always been described as straight narrow um, not a whole lot of latitudes on each side so when we choose discipleship over culture we are putting aside the things of the world and choosing christ and a scripture, not a scripture, I'm sorry, a quote that my sister actually sent to me right before I started this account. It's always been kind of something that I've had in the forefront of my mind. And um, the the author of it is named Dustin Benge. And I'm not sure if I say his name right, but that's hopefully what it is. But I'm just going to read it to you. And it says, either scripture will be the lens through which you view the world, or the world will be the lens through which you view scripture. Ultimately, one or the other will be your authority. And I love that because I think, who do I want to be my authority? And it's Christ. I never want the world to be my authority. And so when we choose discipleship over culture, we're choosing to say, I'm going to look at everything that's happening to us culturally. I'm going to look at that through the lens of scripture, which we know is Christ's teachings. And I just, it is so important to have that be our authority over the world because we know where the world will lead us. Yeah. And Jesus Christ even taught that, right? Like you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon, or, you know, we can insert the world into that. Like you have to choose one or the other. There's no more, there's no room for fence sitting. You can't have your feet in both, in both sides uh, and be successful. Exactly. I love how you said successful because that's people try to have them on both yeah. sides, right? All the time because it's easier. It's like, hi, it's a little bit of that picking and choosing, but we can't be successful trying to walk both lines. Yeah. I, um, my biggest probably struggle, I guess you could say, is with TV. <laughs> it's easy to justify things like curse words or things like that. And um, I was watching this really, really funny show the other day, and and I was excited for that show. And we watched a couple episodes, my husband and I. And um, the next day, I was out gardening because I love to garden, and there's a lot to do right now to clean up winter and um, do spring. And um, and I had this thought: you 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 can't you can't watch it anymore. You can't watch it anymore. If you want to be successful in this podcasting stuff, you can't watch it anymore. And um, and so I stopped. I told my husband, I'm like, we can't, I can't watch this anymore. I got to be more careful with what I listen to or watch. And it's kind of sad, you know, but totally worth it in the end. And I can't have my feet in both places and be successful. No, you're exactly right. You know, it's funny that you said that story is I, in thinking about this podcast, I was thinking about an experience that goes along perfect with what you just said. And I was actually going to share it. Um, awesome. And, but it was just a moment of, so, you know, we get kind of like there's series, there's always series of movies that are so fun to watch. And I've never been one that watches things that I, you know, need to feel ashamed of. I just, movies have never been my, I guess my downfall, 
but there was this series that I really liked. And when my kids were younger, like I would put on an episode while I was folding laundry or one was napping. And I only had one in school at this time. And I had was excited to watch this episode while I was doing my chores. And I had this distinct feeling come over me that said, if you are watching this, you will not be able to receive the promptings needed to keep your family safe and protected. And it hit me because I thought this show is not like, I mean, it wasn't bad, but I wasn't utilizing my time properly with Mm. it. I could have been listening to other uplifting things while I was doing laundry. You know, there's nothing wrong with some entertainment. I am all for entertainment. Especially during laundry. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But it taught me something really important about how we are supposed to use our time and the best way for us to use it to make it so our lives are conducive to filling the spirit. So just like you, you're out gardening and you just have that thought. You know, we have things that we need to do in our lives and having the spirit with us is going to make those things so much easier. And that's choosing discipleship. You know, when we decide not to watch a series that we really like, but we feel like maybe it's not our best use of time. When we choose the savior, things always go better. It it takes that fine tuning of, of our lifestyles to, to keep that, what it, what did brother or President Monson call it? I think the rate, like the radio, didn't he talk about a radio or something? I remember that. Yes. I think there was a Mormon message like years yeah. ago on it. Probably. Yes. And uh, yes. how you need to keep that, keep stay in tune so you can hear it because, you know, that's the only way to hear it is if you're available for it. Dialed in. Yep. So, yeah. And, and it's a cost. It's a cost. I, uh, I have a question. Do you have a question in here about that? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Sometimes the cost of discipleship can feel like a real burden, like we were talking about, but it can also be a true blessing. What are some experiences in your life where the blessings of discipleship were evident? So I was thinking about that. And um, and, and when we say cost, I, I love, I don't think we can think of the word cost of, those words cost of discipleship without thinking of Elder Holland's talk, the blessings yeah. of cost, cost and blessings of discipleship. And there are costs that come along with it, but the blessings always outweigh those costs. And I look at different times in my life where I feel like things were hard mm-hmm. and, you know, we're experiencing challenges, whether they were medical challenges or, um, you know, just things that we experience in life that are personal and hard. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I fought for the savior to be at the forefront or e- or when things were challenging and I'm like, I just, I don't even have the energy to read my scriptures right now. But when I chose to do those things, it's not like the trial or the hardship was taken away by any means, but it is always a tangible difference in how you can get through those things. Mm -hmm. Like when we learn about the sustaining power that we can receive, it's real. And I have felt that, sustaining on more times than I feel like I deserve because of making the effort to choose to follow the savior. Yeah. Do you have a specific experience you would mind sharing? Um, Well, there was one. So we had a year period of time where 
it was like everything could go wrong medically went wrong. Mm -hmm. I had a son in a mountain biking accident where he broke all like different places in both arms, smashed his face bad, his leg. He was in a really bad accident and he kind of flipped his life around. Um, Like, you know, when you're fully casted, you can't move your arms, you can't feed yourself, you can't do anything. And you've got this teenager who's used to being independent and then not being able to do anything, you know, his sister's feeding them. I'm helping them with everything else. And so we, that was kind of a challenge. And then in the middle of that, I had another son who ended up with a really, really serious infection that um, is actually really, I mean, very serious. Um, He was rushed to a children's specialty hospital and this infection, the the last place for it to go is to jump the skull and go into the brain. And Mm -hmm. it was really serious. And he not only had that happen once, which was super rare, but with our luck, six months later, it happened again. And this specialty hospital had never seen that happen. Like it's just so rare and then to have it twice. So in between like, you know, my oldest son going through things and then us battling some very serious things with my son, um, all this, like I said, this all fell within a year. And I remember thinking, you know, we could say, why us? Like, come on, like one or two things was enough. Most people don't have to, you know, be in a specialty children's hospital, um, you know, multiple times throughout their, their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, lots, lots do experience it with like childhood cancer. And, yeah. but I just thought with everyone I knew, most of my friends and family members didn't have children that were fighting for their life multiple times over. Um, but I just remember so many amazing tender mercies and blessings that came throughout all of that because we chose the savior. We chose to turn to him when things were hard and, and we were absolutely sustained. That's yeah. It's amazing how, how that works. And all we have to do is try to be the best disciple we can be. Absolutely. And we're not perfect at it, man. I've learned, I've had to keep learning lessons, but I love that the Savior is always willing to take us and effort. Yeah. And it's okay to not be perfect. Like that's, that's normal. Human beings aren't. (laughs) It's something that we're going to work on our entire life. Yeah. Um, That's something that I, I teach piano lessons and my, uh, I have to work with that with my students. It's okay if you don't play the piece correctly. It's okay if you make these mistakes. It doesn't mean you're a bad pianist. It doesn't mean that you played the song awfully. Like one mistake, two mistakes, 10 mistakes doesn't necessarily make a song bad. And uh, it's it's interesting to teach them that because that's a concept in anything. It's a concept in diet. (laughs) It's a concept in anything you're trying to learn, you're going to fail and there's going to be mistakes. And, but you know, that's how we grow. And that's how we become the type of disciples that God wants us to be. Absolutely. No, I love that. What are some things that you do to stay on the path of discipleship? So like I was saying, I am not perfect. I am definitely, I've not mastered any of this by any means, but I definitely have learned enough to know that life goes so much easier when you're staying on that path 
and you're holding that rod. Um, reading the scriptures has absolutely been one of the best things to help me stay on that that path. I think about the countless promises that have come to us from reading, or we've been told will come to us when we read the Book of Mormon daily. I am such an advocate for that. Am I always amazing at digging in? No, I go through stages because I am human. Mm. But I have made a conscious effort to make sure that I open the pages of the Book of Mormon daily because there are too many promises that I am not willing to not have be available to me in my life. I love um, President Nelson when he said, like, when we read the Book of Mormon every day, we will make better decisions every day. Yeah. So when we have that power to be able to make better decisions, that is what's going to help us keep on the path. And I know that that has helped me just be a little bit more aware of things that could lead me off the path. Mm-hmm. So I would say book of more setting and of course the power of prayer. Yeah. I am very specific in my prayers as far as praying to be able to discern and make sure I'm warned of things that could lead me away because I feel like we know how incredibly cunning mm-hmm. the adversary is. And I would be naive to think that he could not get me at some point on something. And I want to be able to make sure that I'm always armed with as much as I can to be able to see deception whenever it comes. Yeah. Yeah. And he could, He's so he's so smart that he can get you on things that aren't bad, right? Like exactly. um, time wasters, <laughs> you know, looking at pictures of pretty things online or, you know, just little things can be enough of a distraction to start le- start leading us away. My um, parents have an interesting calling right now. They they get to teach Sunday school at the prisons where they where they live. And my mom said that most of the people there that she's talked to um, are there because they started doing like little things like um, started watching pornography or started taking drugs and it led them to prison. And so now those are like extreme things, right? Like, But, but very real. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want to go to spirit prison. <laughs> I don't right? want I want to live with Heavenly Father forever. So that means making sure you don't do or you do the little things and you, yeah, fine. Again, fine tune your life. Absolutely. Yep. And we just, it's just a safer path to just avoid those things at all costs whenever we can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the cost of discipleship, like we were talking about, but you also said it's worth it. Yes. Are there any specific scriptures that have helped you on your path? Yeah. Um, I just recently read a scripture um, just when I kind of restarted the Book of Mormon that stood out to me. And I mean, there's lots of scriptures over the years that have helped me, but this one, I, I just wanted to share because I, I love the wording of it, but it's just in first Nephi and it's chapter 12, verse 17. And it says, and the mists of darkness are the temptations of the devil which blindeth the eyes and hardeneth the hearts of the children of men and leadeth them away into broad roads that they may perish and are lost. So I'm like, there's so many teachings that fall within that scripture. Like we know the midst of darkness, temptations from 
the adversary, right? Yeah. But that he wants to lead us to broad roads. I just, you, I always think about, you know, the path, the straight and narrow path. But listening to this, this idea of broad roads, I want to stay away from broad roads. And oh, yeah, that's so good. So many things in society that want us to think that it's okay to be on a broad road, right? We get to do whatever we want because Jesus loves us. That yeah. is a very big misrepresentation of who he is. Yeah. Yes, the Savior is going to love us unconditionally, and but he also requires things of us. We've yeah. never been told discipleship was going to be comfortable and easy. Never. We've actually probably been told more that, you know what, it, it can be uncomfortable at times. It really can because of whether it's, you know, living living the a life that is, you know, conducive with the gospel in a world that's not, you're going to experience things that may make you uncomfortable with friends or yeah. acquaintances, people that don't think you need to live on that straight and narrow path. So yeah, I would say that scripture and that vis- that visual of yeah. being away from broad roads because it's not safe. And can you hold an iron rod when you're on a broad road? Yeah. No, like you want to stay on something narrow where you've always got control of being able to hold on to the iron rod and the word of God. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. We're about in the same, same spot in the book of Mormon right now. (laughs) I just read that part. (laughs) Oh, so good. Oh my goodness. That's so good. I've never caught that before. Isn't that amazing how we, how we all can read the same thing, but we get, we see what we need to see when we read it. Absolutely different. Oh my goodness, that's so good. Um, it who was it? There was a video I watched, and it was a Q and A with Elder Holland. It true was it true millennials on Instagram that posted it. Anyways, um, it was a Q and A, and there there was one part of it where um he held up his scriptures, and he's like, can can you think of anyone in the scriptures that didn't have a hard time? Like all of them, all of these disciples had challenges. That's, that's the name of the game. <laughs> right. And I love that he could hold up an entire set of scriptures and you could add stacks of conference. Um, you know, like you think about our living prophets and apostles yeah. and every single apostle from the restoration on, I mean, they're, They've they've definitely had things that have not been easy that has come with discipleship, but they yeah. will choose discipleship every single time because of how oh, worth it is. Yep. And like um, this thought just kind of came into my mind. The disciples of old were always stoned, right? Like, or, I mean, or like people were stoned a lot back then. And although ours, the 12 apostles might not be stoned right now, they are stoned by words all the time, every day, Absolutely. by our own numbers. <laughs> yes, by our own numbers. And that it just reminded me of, um, I'm not going to say his name right, but the um, his name's Elder George Klinningbot. He's okay. German. Um, but he gave an amazing talk on discipleship a year ago. And, and he talked about like the fingers of scorn that come literally, but then also that come like on social media. And, and he said that because prophets and apostles 
are doing what they're called to do, it will make them the lightning rods very often. And I love that visual of lightning rods because they are, there are times that they are loved, right? Because it just seems like they're doing everything right. But then as soon as they need to maybe help us course correct or remind us of doctrine that maybe is not as easy to follow, there's always people that will point those fingers of scorn and, and attack them for that. And, and so I, I legit, so I just love the visual of knowing that these men are willing to be lightning rods to, in order to declare truth and defend our savior. Yeah. That's, that's a major cost. Being an, being an apostle period is a major cost with all the time it takes and it's their whole lives. Absolutely. Has discipleship always been an easy thing for you or have you had to fight for it? So I would say it's kind of a yes and no answer. I know that doesn't make sense, but um, I would say yes in the fact that I feel like inherently I've always wanted to please the Savior. I've always wanted to make choices that would make him proud, help me keep close to him. Now, do I always make the right choices? Did I always? No, you know, we all, we all, because we're human, make all different decisions. But I feel like, so growing up, my, my dad has always been a very strong defender of the faith. And I think when you're around that from a little age and you hear stories of what he had to experience growing up and having to defend the faith, I feel like that just gave me the courage and almost um, just felt like I have the ability to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And because my dad grew up in an area, well, we grew up in an area that's not predominantly the same religion. And the area he grew up in was actually pretty anti towards Mm -hmm. our religion. And he had a really hard time in school. Teachers were very unfair to him because of his religion. Kids were, and, and he spent a lot of time defending the gospel. So hearing those stories, I feel like it just, it gave me the courage to do it from an early age. And, and I did, I remember walking out of movie theaters when everyone stayed in and, you know, having to be like almost a little embarrassed, like walking Mm -hmm. through the aisle and leaving or leaving places that I knew were not places that the Holy Ghost would preside. So I feel like I've always been able to make those choices from an early age. But that's not to say that there's been times where you feel like you have to fight back to that, to be at that level. And just because life can go, you know, in in all different ways, there's times that I have felt like, man, I feel like I'm doing all the right things, but man, life is not going my way at all. And, and so I feel like you, you have to fight those feelings of, have I been forgotten? Does he really not care about me? Right. Um, and so I definitely have had to fight through those feelings. Um, and lots of times whenever there's a hardship and, or feeling of inadequacy or just feeling like, like I said, when life's just not going in a way that you would like it to go. I feel like it's, it's easy for Satan to let those thoughts come into my mind that he doesn't want me to think that I have a heavenly father that loves me and I can pray to for help. And then I have a savior that is right there willing at all times to help. 
So he does a good job of letting those thoughts creep in um, during the hard times. So I would say, like I said, it's, it's been a yes and no. I've always been able to do it, mm-hmm. but it always hasn't been easy. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because uh, this morning I, I saw again, a video on Instagram. I think she shares goodness did it. Uh-huh. And um, it said something to the effect of uh, if we're feeling overwhelmed, Jesus can help us overcome that. And I'm like, well, I've been feeling really overwhelmed and it hasn't gone away yet, you know, <laughs> which is right. And honest, you know, response to something like that when you're going through something hard and it could be easy to go down the road of, well, hey, Jesus isn't helping me because it hasn't been taken away. Like, I still feel that. And I think part of being a disciple is knowing that Jesus can help and understanding that sometimes the help comes in a form that that's not what we want or not in exactly the way we want it. And, and the challenge we have might not be taken away at all. And it's just helping us, you know, with, with making the burden light instead of you know, taking it away. And that's, yeah, I like that you mentioned that. Um, so do you have any specific experiences that you're willing to share about that, about um, challenges you face in discipleship being hard? Um, I think, I think like I was saying, just, you know, we all go through sometimes personal battles that other people don't know about. Yeah. And it's those, I feel like it's those quiet, not visible battles and challenges that can be the hardest because you feel isolated or you feel alone. And I've definitely had those moments where like I said, just those personal moments that I think a lot of people will carry certain things on their own. And, and it's those battles that I feel challenge you and push you and stretch you. And I, there's definitely been times in my life where I've looked back and I'm like, why did I fight that battle on my own? I kind of thought I'm not going to, I'm not going to burden anyone with this. I'm not going to burden the savior with this. And it's almost like, I think I can fix this because I'm tough, right? Like it's, I think you can do some of these things on your own. And then when I eventually almost swallow my pride in a way um, and say, why did I think I could do this on my own? I have all the tools right there that can help me get through this. And the moment you turn things over to the savior is the moment that you feel a difference. And like you said, it's not like it's going to take that challenge away because oftentimes it doesn't go away um, or it, it takes longer than you would like to have it go away. But when we turn things over to the savior and let him help us through those hard things, instead of fighting life on our own, it is way easier to yoke ourselves to the Savior. And when we are told that our burdens will become light, it is true. The things that seemed hard and overwhelming become a lot less hard and more manageable. Yeah, absolutely. So December is a crazy, chaotic month at our house. It is for a lot of people. Um, But as a pianist, I am a piano teacher. We have a recital and I have a con I hold a Christmas concert at my house every year and you know church re- piano re- you know opportunities 
and uh, it can be a lot of time practicing and a lot of time, which I love doing all that stuff. But anyways, I um, said yes to playing the piano for something. And it was like four extra songs on my plate. And it I had to learn them within like a week of being asked or something, which is fairly typical. <laughs> oh, Hard. Yeah. Um, but I was going to try doing it because they asked me to and I didn't mind. And I just, after I said yes, I was like, I, why, what did I do? <laughs> and I was complaining to my sister-in-law and she said something interest or something that like made me think, made me think. And, and she's like, well, there's plenty of other pianists in our ward. She's like, you know, I play the piano. I would have been, I would be happy to do that for you if you wanted, you know, like you give me the opportunity. <laughs> let me help you and I think that's when we are in those moments where we have those burdens or struggles that people don't see and we want to try and carry it ourselves we forget that that part of our burden that becomes light might might come in the form of an angel that we know that the savior sends our way or you know yes oh I love that even yes. if it's your sister-in-law kicking you in the butt <laughs> telling you to to ask other people for help. <laughs> right. No, but there's always, there's always help. He is so ready to send us that help. Yeah. And people are willing to help. I I mean, I think that more often than not, people are willing to to help you. If they love you, they're going to help you. And so, yeah. Agree. It's better to give them the opportunity to serve than to not even allow them to say yes by not asking. Right. No, I agree. The 12 disciples in the New Testament and the 12 apostles now are, are, and all of the apostles and prophets we've ever had, I guess, are the greatest examples of what a disciple means and what a guardian of discipleship does. So um, what are some lessons that you've learned from them about being a better disciple? So I, okay, so I know everyone is like very into the chosen, right? Most people love the chosen. And I have loved having those stories and those apostles come to life for me. Mm -hmm. They, obviously it's a movie, right? Like it's, it's not like everything is, is accurate. There's some storylines involved in it, but those disciples were actual humans that had human experiences and had to deal with the natural man. And they, it, it's been so good personalizing them. Yeah. And knowing that their cost of discipleship was not, was not easy, but it was made easy through the savior. And so I look at the disciples that were there during Christ's ministry and then the apostles now and think about like when I know their stories, I love learning the stories of our apostles. I love mm. the biographies. I, I love their stories because I feel like we can put ourselves in some of their life situations at times. Yeah. And you think, okay, they, they are human and they've experienced a lot of these things. Well, I mean, really they, they've experienced every ups and downs and everything we've experienced, but they are such incredible examples of despite it all, despite the hardships, despite the challenges that come from holding the position of being an apostle, um, the weight that they're, 
they carry. Despite all of that, their love for the Savior is incredible. And I just want to follow that example. I want to know, you know what, we are not perfect and we're not expected to be perfect. And those men were not perfect either. And they, they have to deal with ups and downs in their lives as they are holding this ministry position. Yeah. And so just watching them deal with the things that they deal with and remain firm. And then also knowing that they have a lot of help along the way. It just gives me that much more hope and encouragement that when crisis are focused and we have him at our center, things will work out. It may not always go the way we think, but it will always be the best for us because that is what our Heavenly Father and Savior want for us. Is there Are there any stories um, from their lives that come to mind that exemplify this? Um, oh, goodness. I am. I just think that wasn't on the list. (laughs) No, no, that that's okay. I I'm trying to think of like a a recent, a recent one. I, I think something that I guess not super specific, but I look at um, like when sister Nelson talks about president Nelson's life or um, any of these apostles and their wives talking about them. There's so many experiences that they had that prepared them and readied them for this calling. And I think that's what's amazing. And we can liken that to ourselves with there are experiences all of us are having that may seem insignificant at the time or not even related to anything important. But years down the road, we find out that it was exactly what we needed at a time when we may need to really, really live our our Christianity and live and, and be those disciples, but it came from experiences. Yeah. Well, yeah. not, I wasn't like specific, but I know that they all have these really neat specific experiences that have been able to be tied to this is why that happened and it mm-hmm. helped prepare them. Yeah, absolutely. And even our prophet, he was interviewed by children. I think he shared that video in general conference a couple of years ago and the one of the girls asked him um, if it was hard to be the prophet or something. And uh, he said, yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, but I think I re- if I remember correctly, he he said, of course, it was worth it, but that it was a challenge and it was hard, hard work. So um, yeah. but he's absolutely reading through his life in particular, like uh, he there have been plenty of experiences where he's you could see that he's been prepared for what he's doing now. So, right. What do you love most about being a disciple of Jesus Christ? I just love the joy it brings into my life. And I look at my family life Mm -hmm. and when I have living the gospel to the best of my ability at the forefront of my life, everything goes smoother at home. I feel like I am a more patient mother. I feel like I can counsel better and help my children through difficult times or just Mm -hmm. times of need. I would say that just looking at the difference in my life on a day-to-day basis when I'm doing the right things, there is such a difference. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that he sends help and he wants to bless those who are following, following him. Yeah. 
I think one of the greatest lessons of life is that we're not alone and that when we follow him, he's there for us and will help us. And he wants to. He doesn't want us to navigate life on our own. We make things so much more complicated for ourselves when when we don't involve him. Yeah. In in the book of Isaiah, I believe, um, it's, and I am really bad at remembering reference numbers or anything like that. But in the book of Isaiah, it meant when he's speaking messianically, he talks, um, Jesus, you know, says, says, I have, I have um, reached for you, I think, or something like this and like put you under my wings, like a, you know, hen with her chicks or whatever. And, and I have reached, or I, I wish I looked it up before it just came to my mind, but like, Something like I have reached, I reach out for you still, or I, something like that. Do you you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Anyways, he mentioned it multiple times that he like will still reach out for you and put you under his wings over and over again. So it doesn't matter how many times we make mistakes or how many times, like he's there and he's going to pick us up when we need it. Yep. No, I love it. And I know exactly what you're referring to in the scriptures. Yeah. And hopefully everyone else will, and it'll be better when they read it. <laughs> but, and, you know, if I feel like it, I'll share the reference or something if I can look it up. And <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So to finish out my interviews, I always ask the same two questions. The first question is this um, Jesus was the greatest exemplar of everything. And um, I think that this is, I'm really curious to see what you're going to say, because when we talk about discipleship, we usually talk about following Jesus Christ. Um, And so to think of him as a guardian of discipleship might be slightly unusual because who is he a disciple of? And so I, and I guess I will let you answer that by telling us um, if you can think of an experience in his lifetime where he truly was a guardian of discipleship. Well, I was thinking when I was thinking about that, um, the first thing I thought of is exactly like you said, it's, I mean, we know a disciple is someone that follows Christ and he was always extending that invitation to follow him. Yeah. And so I just kind of was thinking about just different experiences that, I mean, different situations throughout the scriptures where he invites us all to follow him. And it really it's, in every situation that happened throughout the scriptures um, and throughout his ministry, it always came with an invitation to follow him. Yeah. And that is, and he was just such a true example of what discipleship was supposed to look like. And so as far as like a specific example, I would say, I don't really have specific for the fact that I love that in every scenario, we were invited to follow. The people were invited to follow him. And that is what discipleship is. That is how we are supposed to live our lives. We have to live our lives in a way that people want to follow us in the Savior. And there is a difference in people's lives when, when they follow. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, as I was asking the question, I thought your answer was going to be something like, well, he follows Heavenly Father. But I love because he did like he's a dis- I guess he's a disciple of Heavenly Father. And um, but I love that you said that the invitation to be a disciple is an example of being a disciple. 
And like you mentioned that at the very beginning, you told us what the definition of discipleship, what to you, what the definition of being a guardian of discipleship was. And part of that is to be willing to invite others to be a disciple themselves. And that's what he did. Yes, always. That is awesome. I love that answer. See, this is why this is why this is so awesome, because I people think differently than me. And, you know, like we all think differently. And so to, to hear what other people say about, you know, these things is, is so fun to hear different perspectives and different thoughts. And so thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Well, and we learn so well from each other. Yeah. That's one of the, my favorite thing about podcasting is being able to learn from awesome people. I'm glad okay. you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last question is, if you could pick somebody, past or present, from the scriptures, history, or today, somebody that you know, who you think is an example of being a guardian of discipleship, who would you pick and why? So I, it's such a toss up because I have loved, so I love Elder Holland. He is just someone that I feel exemplifies discipleship. But I also love Sherry Dew. Oh, yeah. I am... I feel like both of them, the thing that I love about them, and I feel like they exemplify this so well, is they have such an incredible power behind their words. When they speak, there there is so much meaning and power behind it, but you always know exactly what they're meaning. And they are loving and kind, but when needed, they also can be bold and and defend in ways that, I don't know, are just truly moving. Um, I actually, on my account, I use a lot of Sherry Dew's talks and quotes because, I mean, she truly is an amazing example of being a guardian of discipleship. She is unapologetic and bold, but does it in just the best way that kind of pierces you deep when you hear her words. And I feel that the same as Elder Holland. So I kind of cheated and picked two, but I'm both okay. of them are great examples. <laughs> I love them both. Uh, yeah. The thing I say about Elder Holland is he is good at making me feel um, like I'm doing a good job, but that I need to do better. <laughs> that I that there's something that I need to do better all in the same moment. Like he's right? just so good at it. And I'm not even mad at him for telling me I need to like do better at something because he told me that I'm also doing good. <laughs> yes, exactly. He has a great way about him. Yep. Um, okay. This is not in here and on the, on the question outline, but I just remembered that I said we were going to talk about Captain Moroni because <laughs> you love Captain Moroni. I yes. think he's amazing. So um, I'm going to throw this question in here too. How do you, how do you think that, Captain Moroni was a, a guardian of discipleship. Oh my goodness. Now that's the best question. We could have talked about Captain Moroni I know, the entire so time. I saw these questions and I was like, I can't believe I didn't mention him because we both think he's amazing. Yes. I'm not, I mean, I think most people think he is, but I think I haven't met somebody else that's kind of loves him and like loves the person of, of you know, like, Obviously not like girl crush or anything. That would be weird. And he's like <laughs> ancient, but. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Fan girl. 
right. I, and yeah, I should have picked him. See, now that you said that, why I didn't pick him as my like favorite guardian of discipleship. That's who I well, should have. We needed to talk about Elder Holland and Sherry Dew. I think that's why. So that's true. Oh my goodness. But yes, Captain Marone, I see. And I have loved. So when I was younger, everyone would be like, oh, the war chapters in the Book of Mormon. Oh, skip through Alma. And I'm like, keep me in Alma. I love, love those stories. And I feel like there is nothing more like I get more things that are applicable to my life today and to the world in those war chapters than so many other things in my life. And yeah, just watching the way Captain Moroni was. And I think the thing that I, I love so much is even though he was young, he was so righteous and so firm in his discipleship that, I mean, for the scriptures, for them to say that if all men had been like him, the very yes. powers of hell would have been shaken forever. And, you know, oh. the devil would have not had any power over the hearts of the children of men. That was a paraphrase. But that that is true discipleship. Yeah. That is something that I could only strive for. Like, I just, I have that deep, I don't know, feeling within me that I'm like, I want to shake the powers of hell. I want Absolutely. to be like Moroni. And yeah. if he could do it at his age, we we can do some hard things here. We can, yeah. we can stand for truth and righteousness in a time that is desperately needed, just like it was desperately needed when Moroni and yeah. it was, was captain. Yeah, that scripture has probably been one of my favorite scriptures ever since I first read it in, in seminary. I'm like, I'm like, this guy's, a, he's amazing. And right? it, I, I, like to have, to be able to shake the gates of hell because of the good we're doing. I I'm down. Sign me up. Right. <laughs> like, he, super cool. Superhuman. Awesomeness. That's, that's him. I hope we get to meet him. He's one that's just amazing. Me too. I, I would love to meet him. And there's even points in the, uh, so like I'm right there with you wanting to be in the war chapters all the time. Last year, as I was preparing for this podcast, because he's such a great inspiration for the podcast itself, I I sat in the war chapters for a couple of months and reread that section, I think, four times just to make sure that I gleaned what I needed to to like continue preparing for this. And um, each time I learned something different, but one of my favorite parts that stood out to me was when he wrote um Pahoran mm-hmm. and I was like come on we 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 need help like we need supplies we're you know we're we're having a hard time here why isn't the government helping us out and Pahoran writes back and is like dude I I can't help you because they're not the government like the government's failing right now they've kicked me out I don't know what to do this is hard you know and so like Moroni goes to help him and he says i'm sorry <laughs> in in some effect like it says what i liked that he it says is that he was overjoyed that pahorn was still strong in the faith and still good and so like he went and helped him and and uh it was it shows that captain Moroni was humble 
Yes, I love that story. That's one. That you, and I think that's part of the thing like I was talking about earlier. I love how those experiences make them more real and more human yeah. Yeah. and and are just such examples for us on what we need to do. And the thing about Moroni is he he did not I mean, it says it, he did not delight in bloodshed. Um, but he delighted in people coming into Christ. And yeah. I think your story, you know, with Horan, it showed exactly like that's what brought him joy and happiness was knowing that, okay, he's still, he's still solid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, I feel the same way. I, I can read, I can read Alma time after time again. Yeah, that's amazing. And, uh, and he, like, that was the title of Liberty, right? I mean, that, that's what he did. He fought for their freedom. He fought for their religion. He fought for their everything. And yeah. to fight for your freedom, for your freedom of religion is, is part of being a disciple. Absolutely. He was, he was amazing. <laughs> but you remembered our oh, of Captain Moroni. I would have been so sad. Oh, no, okay. thank you. Oh, I'm so glad we talked about him. I, again, we might, I might have to have you back and we'll have like a whole. Oh, we could dig into those war chapters. That would be pretty fun. But I wish that, people, you know, with podcasts, they're just listening. But as soon as we as soon as you brought up Moroni it's like both of us if everyone could see like the smiles we have on our <laughs> face and the whole time we're talking about him it uh, they can hear it in our voices yeah. how yeah how much we love and appreciate his example of discipleship yeah. and I love the example of his wife and I know that I'm like say that and people are going to be like what his wife isn't even talked about or mentioned but she obviously must have been amazing enough to be okay with him being gone all the time. Very true. And that's yes. better than me. <laughs> for work, you know, like my husband's work, like there are times I'm ready for him to come home. But I mean, Captain Moroni was gone for who knows how years. Right. And, and she probably, anyway. Yes. No, I, I like that. Well, and we know historically that, I mean, they got married young and that was, that's what what you did, right? They, yeah. So well, and he yeah. had a son, he had Moroni, huh? And so, right? like, he had to have been married because he was yep. a good person. He wouldn't have had a son without being married, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, oh I man. love it. Thank you for talking about Captain Moroni with me. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. One of the ultimate guardians of discipleship. Completely agree. So, all right. I'm going to hold you to that. We're going to have to talk about him again. Oh, someday. I would love it. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's plan it. I love it. Okay. Thank you so much for being on here, Mandy, and for doing this and talking about sub- a subject that's so near and dear to both of our hearts. Oh, you are welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been fun. Yeah, it has been. And I hope you don't freeze in your in your snowy tundra. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only way I can describe this area is the tundra. So oh. I'm anxious for spring. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you take care and have awesome. a good day. Thank you so much. We will see you. Absolutely. Ya. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Guardians of Virtue podcast. Please. Don't forget to give us a follow, and if you have time, please leave a review. Peace out, dudes!